Things don't always go according to plan. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. As you're marred in the potter's hands, that instead of just throwing you away and throwing another lump on the wheel, he works down and begins to fashion something new. I know the problem that we have, and that's the problem of as it seemed good to the potter to make. I know we have a problem with that because when things happen in our lives, we've already sort of planned out our life. So now that your plans aren't working out, now the potter's working something out that seemed good to him, not bad to him. It doesn't say, well, he's working something out to really mess you up because you were marred. No, he says, look, as it seemed good to the potter to make. This is amazing grace. While our plans may fail, God's never will. And His plan is a good and loving plan. So we don't have to be afraid to trust Him with our lives. I think you'd agree, we still struggle to do so. So we could use some help with that, and we find that as we continue in Romans chapter 9 and Jeremiah 18. It's there we learn about the lesson of the potter and the clay. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, beginning with the struggle we can have, and what's at the root of it? After this gentle, mild rebuke, he says, here's your answer. Those of you that are wrestling with the whole Pharaoh and the potter and the clay, here's the answer. God is God, and he does what he pleases. <laughs> so you're wrestling with this whole topic of the potter and the clay and Pharaoh. Okay, number one, who are you to reply against God? Number two, God is God. You know what that means? Because there's an indirect statement in that. God is God and he does what he pleases. There's an indirect statement. God is God and you and I are not. And so God, in doing what he has done and what he continues to do, he is God and he does what he pleases. But the picture that's given to us is not some manufacturer, not somebody that runs some plant and just makes production all the time. He gives the picture of this potter carefully working out this lump of clay. You know, with a lump of clay, you and I, I mean, those of you that might be alongside of me that's not very creative, you know, I don't see anything with a lump of clay except a lump of clay. That's it. I don't see anything else in that. I don't have the ability or I, I don't have the mind to see anything creative about a lump of clay. I just, it's a lump of clay, I'll move on. I don't have any desire. But a potter, those of you that are creative, those of you that have been just gifted, when you see the lump, you look right past the lump and you look already of what it could be in your hands. That is so cool, of how it could be. It's a lot like in what God has done in my life where a lot of times the Bible study here on a Sunday morning starts with a blank screen. Every time it starts with a blank screen. There's nothing there. I got a blank mind and a blank screen and I wait on the Lord. So God, what would you have for our congregation this week? What truth out of the scripture do you have for us? What do you want to show us? And then that white blank screen on my computer and my mind starts to fill up with all sorts of neat stuff that God has for us. And so he doesn't use this harsh, hard picture of someone, well, I'm just going to make something out of you, but the gentle hands of a creative potter. It's a picture that Israel would be very familiar with. Would you turn back to Jeremiah chapter 18? 
Jeremiah chapter 18, Jeremiah's ministry. Oh, the brother struggled and wrestled. He was called to a very difficult ministry. He is delivering the message of God to a very rebellious, a very resistant nation. And if Jeremiah was judged today by the way ministries are judged today, like if we were to look and say, well, okay, Jeremiah, I'm going to read Jeremiah. Was he successful? Was he not successful? Well, if we were to judge Jeremiah's ministry by the way many churches are judging their ministry today, we would have to conclude that Jeremiah was a failure. You know why? Because there wasn't one convert from his ministry. Not one person listened to him. Not one person came to a place where they repented and returned to the Lord in the entirety of Jeremiah's ministry. You know, there is this move today, this cross the board in the church that says, well, you know, hey, the more people you have, it must be successful. Let me just say, let me put that idea to rest here. It's very easy to draw people. Be very, very easy. Churches give money away. Wouldn't that be a great church to go to? Hey, you don't need to give here. We give to you, man. <laughs> Churches are doing that, using all kinds of ungodly methods to draw a crowd. And then because the crowd is drawn, they say, well, we must be successful. No, you've just done a good job of drawing people. See, man doesn't build the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus builds the church of Jesus Christ. That's what he said, remember? On this rock, Jesus said, I will build my church. And so with all the methodologies out there, all the things that are going on, you're like, well, oh, there's billions of people following that guy. Well, what does he teach? Because that tells me whether he's in tune with the Lord. Because Jeremiah, there's nobody following him. Well, what does he teach? Well, he teaches the Word of God. Oh, Jeremiah was successful. Because the method of God in gauging success for us is not by the results, but it's by faithfulness. That means it's even across the board for us. He judges and examines our hearts, and he says, here is a successful brother, a successful sister, a successful son or daughter in my kingdom. They're faithful to me. Oh, yes, because we can all be faithful. We can all walk in humility toward him. So Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1, he goes down and he's sent as a message, as a picture. He says, verse 1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, chapter 18, verse 1, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. So that's pretty cool. Jeremiah, I've got a mission for you. Go down to the pottery barn and just hang out. And when you get there, I'll talk to you. And that's what he was told to do. And I love it because the very next verse says, Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. What a sight that must have been. I love watching people that are creative do what they do. The pot, watching a potter guy is really, a potter gal is really, really cool. Watching it all take place and hearing the word of God. And, and that's where Jeremiah is. This lump of clay is right there on the potter's wheel. And the potter is at work fashioning out of this lump from his mind. He's got, and, and you look at the very next verse, it says, verse 4, and the vessel that he made of clay was what? Oh, oh man. Oh, that's not good. The vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. You know what we do with things that get marred in our hands? We usually throw them away. I can just go get another one. I'll just exchange it. It's throwaway. It's, dis it's disposable. And that mind has come into our lives where we think, well, God treats us that way too. He just throws us away. We're done. Things are so good. I mean, that's the life. The, the picture of the potter and the clay is a great picture of life. Because there you are, me, and we're just these big lumps. God, he saves us, the potter. He takes this lump out of the sinful junk that we were in, takes that lump, and he pops it on the wheel. And you're like, oh, I'm in the potter's hand. I'm in the... Whoa! Man, I'm spinning. 
and the wheel starts to spin and it spins faster and faster and, and the pottery's moving this. You go, oh, 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 and you're spinning and spinning and then things are going so well. Things are so wonderful. And then some mar happens, some difficulty, some huge devastating sin, some small little defect, something in the middle between small and large and and they go, no, what's going to happen? Is the potter just going to throw me away? Is he just going to be done with me now? Because look, I'm not fruitful anymore. I, I'm backslidden. I'm a prodigal. I'm, I made this huge mistake. I, I sinned big time. You know, what happens? The vessel that he made was marred in the hand of the potter, and we all wait to find out what's going to happen. Because that's me. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to have marred in my life. I know what it's like to see the ugly flesh of my life raise up as a believer. I know what it's like to have that clear, pure mind of devotions at 7 a.m. to so quickly leave at 10 o'clock. I know. Lord, I get marred. I understand. What are you going to do? Are you done with me? Are you going to throw me away? Am I going to be tossed to the side? (laughs) I love this, verse 4. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Oh, let those words sink down deep into your heart today. Okay, so you were marred in the potter's hands. You know what he's going to do? He's going to make you into another vessel. He's going to do a fresh work in your life. You know, it'd be a little scary to be on the potter's wheel, wouldn't it, if you didn't know the character of God? If you didn't know how the Bible says that he is love, that he is faithful. You can jot these down. I'll read them to you in Psalm 25, verse 10. It says, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. All of them. Every single one of the paths. In Psalm 19, verse 9, it says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Psalm 119, verse 76 says, Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be for my comfort. We don't have to be afraid of God's work in our lives. We don't have to be afraid of being on the wheel. We know that God is good and faithful, and that means that we can trust God and stop fighting his plan for our lives. I know the mar in your life was very hurtful and painful. I realize that. Day after day across my desk, I hear the stories. I watch them. I live through some of them. I know it was difficult. I know that if you had a chance to go back and undo it, you would undo it. I know that if you had a chance to go back and stop what was done to you, you would have stopped it. I know that. I know that if you were to rewrite the history of your life, you would leave a whole chapter out. I realize that. It was a horrible mar, a difficult dilemma, a tough time. I realize that. I know. But listen, the Bible says that as you're marred in the potter's hands, don't forget that, that instead of just throwing you away and throwing another lump on the wheel, he works down and begins to fashion something new. I know the problem that we have, and that's the problem of as it seemed good to the potter to make. I know we have a problem with that because when things happen in our lives, we've already sort of plan out our life by decades. You know, I'll do this in the 20s, and then when I'm 30, and then when I'm 40, and when I'm 60, and then when I'm 80, and, and on into the decades. But something happened when you were 30 that messed that whole thing up, didn't it? All the plans that you had, they're not there anymore. They're impossible now. So now that your plans aren't working out, now the potter's working something out that seemed good to him, not bad to him. It doesn't say, well, he's working something out to really mess you up because you were marred. No, he says, look, as it seemed good to the potter to make, because you're in the potter's hands, we don't have to be afraid. Yes, everything collapses, the bottom falls out, things seem marred, and we cry out, oh God, why? I'm ruined. He says, no, 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 you're not ruined at all. I'm going to do something new in your life. 
I'm going to do something fresh. None of us are finished yet. Amen? Right? Are you with me so far? None of us are finished. Like, we're not perfected. We're all on the wheel. And it's spinning. God isn't through with your life, not even close. It, seem, it might seem like a real mess right now, not where you really wanted or what you expected, but God is still at work, and the process begins again. And he begins to fashion. And it's not some ashtray he's making with us, right? <laughs> little plump of clay. What do you mean? You know, our kids come home with these great, I don't even smoke, son, but that's all I could make, Dad. <laughs> Well, thanks. <laughs> Put some coins in it or something, you know. It's a paperweight. He's not making some ugly deal thing, you know. He's not making, he's making, well, I like to use from the New Testament what I like to picture in my mind, that he's fashioning in your life and in mine this trophy of grace. That's your life. And every trophy's different. Different little top figure, you know, different sport. And every life is different, and every little capstone of your life is different. And he's fashioning and molding and shaping it. And it all looks, everybody's trophy looks different because everybody comes from different backgrounds. But because it's marred and because there's difficulties doesn't mean that God is done. Life is just like being on the potter's wheel. See, God, he wants us, though, to be moldable and soft, not rigid and hard, not resisting his will. If a person has a hard heart and keeps stubbornly resisting God's touch, then God deals with stubborn clay. He starts putting his thumb in it and throwing some water on it and just, just doing what it needs to soften it up. Don't resist him, but yield to him. Even if things are spinning right now out of control and it seems faster and slower and there's pain. Now back to Romans 9 because this is so comforting in, in understanding the being in the potter's hands. But there's something at the end of the verse 21 there that people have paused at and have cause for concern. And I don't want you to be too concerned about it. It's one of those difficult passages in the Bible. Stumbles a lot of people. They just can't deal with the reality of verse 21. Let's read it again. Romans 9, it says, Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump? You just have to say that word like with a different intonation. You notice it's just the same lump. Now, some of you might leave here and go, You know, you're right, Ed. I'm just a big lump never going to amount to anything. And you're focused on the lump instead of the potter. Just a little shift of where you look and who you pray to and who you're serving will take you away from this, well, this pattern in your life where you're always beating yourself up for all your failures. You're in the potter's hands, guys. You know, you can leave here and go, well, I'm the lump, but that's not my heart for you. My heart for you not to leave out here thinking, well, I'm the lump. Ed said a couple things today. He said, I could rebuke whoever I want to rebuke. <laughs> I'm going to do that right away. Honey, come here. <laughs> Get out of my parking space or whatever. And then he said, I'm just a big lump. But no, 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 that's not, that's not what I want to leave you with. I want you to leave understanding that, yeah, we're all lumps. That's the truth. But the bigger picture is that God's fashioning us and he's working something in our lives. And here's the potter. We're just this lump. And doesn't God, the potter have power over the clay to make from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? And here's the deal. Here's the question. You go, wait a minute. What if I'm the vessel for dishonor? What if God is making me for dishonor? Like, what if I don't have a chance? What if I'm just stuck? What if this is the last mar in my life? I'm never going to recover from this. But let me tell you something. The Bible doesn't say that God makes vessels for dishonor. It doesn't say it at all. 
Let's read verse 21 very, very carefully, okay? This will be the substance of our next time together, but I just want to give you a sneak peek. The Bible doesn't say that God makes vessels for dishonor. Paul simply asked the rhetorical question, what if God wanted to? Who are you? What if he wanted to do that? There's no example anywhere in the scriptures where he's done that. We've already learned with Pharaoh. It doesn't say Pharaoh was created that way. It just says that Pharaoh was raised up for a time to be used. It was his hard heart that he was responsible for. God didn't give him that hard heart. He already had it. And God doesn't make vessels for dishonor. Let me give you something to chew on. A little bit of homework. A little bit of homework. Read Jeremiah 18, the rest of it, when you get home. And then flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let me give you something to chew on. The Bible doesn't say that God makes vessels for dishonor. Paul's just saying, hey, what if he wanted to? Who are you? That's all he's saying. It's a rhetorical question. He's saying, just think it through. Who are you to answer back to God? If that's what God wanted to do, he would do it. But you know what? We don't have an example of him ever doing it. No, rather, he calls people to himself. He says, listen, I see how separated you are. I see how far you are. I see how difficult it is. I see what sin has done to your life. And I'm going to make a way for you to come back. I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to make a way for you to be right with me. I'm going to give a sacrifice just for you. I'm going to love you because I know that my goodness will lead you to repentance. I love you. I reach out to you. I pursue you. And so, so look at 2 Timothy. I love this. He says, well, what if he wanted to? Okay, it's just a question. He's not saying God does it. He's just saying, hey, think it through for a second. Along the lines of, who, is, who are you? God is God and he does what he pleases. And he certainly can do what he pleases. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 20. Same kind of language, same kind of picture. The vessels, he says in verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Same picture. Yeah, there's some vessels that are less honorable in our houses. There are some that we, we use and we keep, and there's some that are dishonorable. Same kind of picture, okay. So he says in verse 21, here's the freedom that we have. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter... He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So are you a dishonorable vessel today? Are you separated from God? Have you lived your entire life opposing God, not wanting anything to do with God? The Bible would say that's a dishonorable thing to do. You've dishonored God. You've dishonored the sacrifice he's given through Jesus Christ. How do you get out of it? Are you just stuck there the rest of your life? No. If anyone cleanses himself from being dishonorable, you'll become honorable. That's the freedom. Oh, wait a minute. How do I do that, Ed? Do I do good deeds? Do I give the church a lot of money? Do I read my Bible all the time? Do I pray hard? Do I come to church? No, no, no. Here's, here's the way out, friend. Here's how, you find your, you, here's how you're cleansed from being dishonorable. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your sins. And through belief, you are washed and you're cleansed. But how about you Christians and marred in the master's hands? Perhaps you're in a season of your life where your life is dishonorable to God, Christian. And you're not living for the things of the Lord. Somebody would look at your life and go, that is not very honoring to God. And what do you do then? Are you just done? Is you just, the lump gets thrown away and, well, I'm dishonorable. I don't have any hope. No, no, no. No, you cleanse yourself. Well, how do I do that? The Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, there's great freedom that we have here. If you cleanse yourself from the latter, from the dishonorable, then you'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. The responsibility is you. It's your free will choice. What will you do with it? What will you do with the free will choice? For those that are listening to my voice right now, here in this room, on the web, on the radio, you have, you have freedom to make a decision for Jesus Christ. 
a tremendous opportunity to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. It's a tremendous gift to us. It's so wonderful to know and to trust our potter who has in mind what he's working out. He knows what's going on. I came across a book. I've been reading it lately for devotion. It's called Amazing Grace, 366 Inspiring Hymn Stories for Daily Devotions. And I came across one that fits real well with Jeremiah 18 and our topic of the potter and the clay. And it's actually a hymn that we are introducing into our church family beginning this weekend. It's a great hymn. The story goes that an elderly woman was at a prayer meeting crying out to the Lord. And in her cry and in her plea in this small prayer meeting, she says, it really doesn't matter what you do with us, Lord. Just have your way with our lives. What a cry. What was in that very same prayer meeting that a woman by the name of Adelaide Pollard was there wrestling and struggling with things in her life. She was a well-known itinerant Bible teacher in the early 1900s, and she was deeply discouraged because her heart was to go to Africa. She wanted to go and preach the gospel in Africa, but she couldn't raise the money, and she's beat up, and she's bummed out. And she comes to this prayer meeting, and as she's seeking the Lord, she hears that sweet prayer from that sweet sister that just ministered to our heart. You know, a lot of times I'll hear people, they're really uncomfortable about praying out loud and praying in a group, but when you start to pray out loud and you pray in a group and you realize it's really not about you, but about you crying out to God. You don't even know how powerful and how encouraging your prayers can be to the person sitting right next to you, just praying and crying out. And so Miss Pollard, she goes home and she begins to meditate on Jeremiah chapter 18. She just, Lord, it's you. You're the potter. I'm the clay. And as she's meditating on it, before she went to bed that evening, she wrote all four stanzas of the hymn that's so well-beloved today in all the heartaches and discouragements, all the difficulties. You know the hymn, don't you? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I'm waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord. Wash me just now. As in thy presence, humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold over my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only always living in me. Have thine own way, Lord. You are the potter. You're working in my life. I'm on the wheel. It's spinning. It's crazy. I don't like the mar, but I trust you. I trust you, Lord. Because in your foreknowledge, in your omnipotence, you are working something in my life that even I can't see right now. But I know that as I yield to you and I'm soft and I'm moldable, I'm not rigid, I'm not inflexible, I know that the result that you have in mind is far greater than anything that I could possibly think or hope for. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Amen. May that be your desire and prayer, for God to have His way in your life. There's nothing better. 
Thanks for studying alongside of us on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you'd like to hear this message from Romans again, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.org. Abounding Grace is also available by podcast. Look for Abounding Grace on your favorite platform. And we also offer an app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. In Hebrews, we read that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So to say faith is important would be an understatement. It's the key to a successful Christian life. But what is faith? Where does it come from? And how does it work? What does it accomplish? Those questions and more are uncovered in a book we'd like to recommend to you by Chuck Smith. It's titled, Faith. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, ask for a copy of Faith. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE, and we can help you with that. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. Please also remember it's your financial support that helps us continue abounding grace on this station and many others like it. We're constantly hearing great reports of what God is doing in our listeners' lives, and your support helps to make that possible. So, thank you. You can make a secure donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from Romans. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.